What did I like about it? I liked that it had a sense of humour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I especially liked your expression immediately darkens. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of dark elf. <laughs> All right. What did I like? I liked that it was fun. I, I liked, and I suspect you probably didn't, the whole, like, the idea that the evil guy's scheme almost comes off because Thor's stuck on a train and just the unabashed craziness of that. I liked the final action scene where they're like, I remember having the thought process of, oh, I wish they did more with the concept of the worlds coming together and then they start fighting each other and just passing through dimensions and stuff and I really enjoyed that. And I liked that they also played that for laughs in terms of the hammer getting out of sync with him and he's like, he would disappear out of a portal and lose the hammer and that sort of thing. I really like Loki because he's awesome. Yep. If anything, I wish there was just more. I sort of get why they had to have a different villain. Yeah. But... Loki's such a great villain, I think, because he's he's kind of fun and mm. you almost there are moments in it where you almost forget that he's the bad guy. I like the bit where he's sort of walking along and each of the, you know, Siv and the Warriors three sort of go, if you betray him, I'll kill you. And then he gets to the next one and he goes, if you betray Thor, I'll kill you. And he just is unfazed by it he's and he says, like, yeah, I know, man. Yeah, there's going to be a line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the yeah the little scene where he's walking along and turning into all the different people, including like Captain a little America. sneaky Captain America. Yep. I just like the touch of him being presented half the film and he's like just standing stoically in his thing, and then eventually you find out it's just a it's an illusion, just a facade, and he's yeah. just lost his shit super hard. Yeah, and you you sort of almost feel sorry for him. Mm. Which That's is why Loki's so great. I think he's just like a shitty brother. Yeah. He's not. A mastermind, and you, even by the end of Avengers, you feel shit for him because you just feel like he's been manipulated by a cosmic doodad or whatever. Yep. And in this one, I like that they they do a lot of heavy lifting to have it happen, but getting into a position where it's just Thor and Loki and uh, Jane, and just having the three of them for about half an hour was one of my favorite yeah. bits because I mean she passes out pretty immediately, but just having the the brothers hanging out. Yeah. And I could have easily just had ten minutes at the beginning to say. Oh, Loki stole a boat and Thor gets on the boat and he has to talk him out of having the boat and just have an hour and a half of them on the boat just bickering and like grabbing each other on the neck and shit. I liked the... I mean, the Marvel movies are becoming really similar to actually reading comic books and that even if they're not that great, they always leave you with a stinger of what's to come and you sort of forget how... Yeah. Because I do remember vividly about halfway through the film going, it's pretty good. Mm. I like it. Mm. I'm having a good time. But it's not it's not rocking my world or nothing. It wasn't yeah. like Avengers where halfway through I was like, oh, the blood's leaving my f- head. <laughs> um, <laughs> because of normal reasons. But I do, by the end of it, I was like, oh, man, Loki cliffhanger uh, mm. collector thing. The secret after credit scene that you didn't see, which really Aww. sets up just heaps of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was all the... And there's there's quite a few things that I didn't uh, like about it. The other mm. thing I liked, I don't know if we've discussed it, but in terms of just the high degree of difficulty with the next big tempole thing being Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And I know I've talked to other geek dude buddies about... I think, I think we've chatted about it. I'm not sure if we've chatted about it with microphones, though. Yeah, just about... Avengers was a film that had a high degree of difficulty. Yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy is a whole other thing in terms of just... I think there's a lot of people that are right back to holding their breath about is a mainstream audience going to come along with... A talking raccoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not only is it like Avengers, but in space, which is just harder to identify mm. with, and it doesn't have the benefit of any of the single films going into it, 
presumably. Like they're not going to do a round of rocket raccoon things. Yeah. And also, yeah, one of them is a raccoon with a gun <laughs> as big as it. And the <laughs> other one is like a tree dude who's cool but only says his name and what? What's that? And he's What's also a tree. Yeah. Privately, I'm just in a position where they've done so much good work up until now that I'm like, I reckon you, you can pull it off. You're the benefit on. of the doubt. Um, this is like what we were talking with Batman the other day. Like, you know, when they announced that Bane was going to be the villain and everybody pissed and moaned about it. And you said, what do you actually have to do to get a break? Yeah. You give him a break. I'm going to give him a break too and, and we'll see. I feel it's incumbent to, and I don't have that. I've heard a lot of super mega net nerds enunciate <laughs> that thing. And I had the thing about the lowered expectations yeah. and this weird sort of global understanding that if you allow yourself to be enthusiastic about something, that then it will crush you if it's not great or that yep. somehow it's like everyone's trying to preemptively win an argument yeah. about, well, I said it was shit because if it's good, then I can just say, oh, I was surprised. But if it's bad, I won already. <laughs> Whereas if I say it's good and then it's bad, I don't know. It's, it's a very like strange a prisoner's thing. dilemma. Yeah, and I'm just, I used to be like that a lot until Avengers, and in the lead up to Avengers, I was like, I'm just so in the tank for this, I don't even give a shit. I'm just telling everybody <laughs> that I'm excited, and if it's bad, what's the harm? Yeah. I just say, oh, that was a disappointment. And then I go back to, you know, there'll be another movie coming out. There'll be a Green Lantern film coming down the road. <laughs> That'll up. cheer me up. There could be a Justice League movie if Kevin Rudd hadn't fucked it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that piece of, um, but one thing I did like, so I thought what was quite smart was that the Dark Elves are effectively, and I thought in general, the Dark Elves in this film, which are positioned as, they're like sort of the new baddies. They're super boring. And the the, the lead evil guy is Doctor just, Who. yeah, he doesn't exist. And I feel bad because the, the actor rules, mm. but they basically put him in a costume and say, just hang out over there, Loki rules. Like he doesn't get anything to do. <laughs> thought it was smart and I enjoyed it that the Dark Elves are sort of, like the Asgardians in the first one, they were sort of like, the Norse gods are just like immortal-esque aliens that have been mistaken for gods. Yep. But it's all based on, it's just that sort of science that's so advanced that we perceive it as magic or whatever. Yep. But they still fulfill that sort of archetype and they've just got hammers and stuff. And I like that the Dark Elves, they effectively treated them as the Romulans. You know, they were just like, this is a different race. It's a fantasy race. We understand it as a fantasy race, but they're an alien race and they've got bloody laser guns and they're in a spaceship with a cloaking shield and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I liked that and I thought it was a good positioning in the audience's mind of going... If you're watching all of the Marvel films, this movie has sort of subtly pushed you in a direction of going, aliens exist, we're in space, Asgard, for all of its talk about nine realms and stuff, we're effectively talking about a network of nine planets which exists in the galaxy. We've already met guys who are shooting laser guns and collapsing them grenades or whatever yep. so it just lowers the barrier of entry to guardians of the galaxy if you know what i mean and i thought that was yeah. quite intelligent what's your hate oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much hate no <laughs> so I in did, general i thoughts? didn't hate it I, look i liked it one of the things that i struggled with though is it felt to me a lot like it didn't really know what sort of movie it wanted to be Yep. A lot of the humour in it, especially at the beginning, and it, it kind of picked up a bit at the end, but a lot of the humour in the beginning I felt a little bit too much like they were trying to make it Avengers or they were trying to infuse a bit of Joss yep. into it and it, it just felt a little bit forced in places with the humour. So that kind of bothered me. But then it sort of seemed to go off in all sorts of different directions. There were bits of it where it was sort of a fantasy movie and it had these elements of Lord of the Rings which... I don't know if I've mentioned or not, I can't stand Lord of the Rings, so 
that sort of element was happening. And then it's interesting that you mentioned the Romulans because my other thought of it was, is this a Star Trek film? Because they had pointy <laughs> ears and cloaking ships and lasers and stuff. And, and so it was sort of dancing off that way. My challenge to you is to go back and watch the movie with your eyes closed and the bit where the spaceships are flying around, I actually stayed to watch the credits purely because I was convinced that Ben Burt, who did the who did the sound design on Star Wars, mm. I was almost convinced that he was the sound director on this because the ships that are flying along sound exactly like pods from Star Wars Episode One. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of sound effects in there that just sounded Star Wars-y and then you've got these Star Trek visuals and these Lord of the Rings visuals and... It just... Well, it's all owned by Disney. They probably get a discount on that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I just reuse it. <laughs> Cut the pod race scene in and put Thor in there instead. Um, so it... Jar Jar Heimdall. It, it, <laughs> it felt a little bit like it didn't really know where it wanted to be, mm-hmm. which, which I struggled with. And then it had such a tight ending, though, that that kind of made <laughs> up for it. But... <laughs> So you were talking about Thor's tight ending. (laughs) (laughs) I just struggled with it, I think, a little bit directionally where I came out of there and I went, what did I just watch? It had Mm -hmm. Thor and it had a bunch of characters that I know, but it felt a little bit all over the place. Now that you've mentioned, you know, by setting it up in space, that, that that's sort of a nice way of prepping people for the idea of Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess that makes some of that make a little bit more sense to me. But I really did struggle during the film with we've got this Star Wars elements and these Star Trek elements and Doctor Who's the bad guy and <laughs> they're also Romulans and then, by the way, Lord of the Rings. and It's just a greatest hits package. <laughs> it sort of was, yeah. It's interesting because it's sort of like I can't fault any of the stuff. I just think we have all the same things in our brain but you come out going, well, I think it adds up to an unfocused bit of a mess and I'm like, yeah, it had problems but it was boss. Yeah. Really I lo- it, look, there were bits of it that I really, really liked. I liked that we got to see the Warriors 3 and, and Lady Civ fight a lot more because mm-hmm. they sort of were minor characters in the first film where they show up a bit at the beginning and then they sort of show up at the end but they don't really do anything and Thor saves the day and, and that's it. Whereas you really got to see him kick an ass in this one. Yeah. Which was good. And the other chief ass kicker is Thor's mum. Uh, she just destroys that dude. She's, yeah, she goes to town on him. Yeah. And, and it was really quite, you sort of quite emotionally attached to her. Whereas if they'd killed her without her having her role from the first one expanded, you'd sort of go, eh, yeah. Well, it's his mum and stuff, but eh, I don't really care. Maybe that's just the heartless person that I am. But <laughs> I became a lot more attached to her because she was sort of more integral to the story and she's just a badass and you sort of get this whole idea that, you know, Odin might be the old father, but we know who's really ruling the roost around here. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that thing of like the just the asshole bad dude treats the woman poorly and so she beats the shit out of him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I never get tired of that. And the, the funeral scene was really, I really, really enjoyed that as well because you had that whole Viking element where they put them on the boats and float them out and then set it on fire. But then as they fall off the waterfall, the sort of little sparkly bits go up in the sky. And mm. well, it, was, it was just a really, it was quite emotional, but it was a very calm sort of soothing scene amidst all of this other chaos that's going on. Some um, great, great. So I liked uh, that Heimdall got the actor 
who yes. plays him, Stringer Bell. I'm glad that he got his sort of time to shine as well, where he's yeah. doing like flips off ships and much like more involved. Yeah, took down a spaceship with a dagger, which is pretty <laughs> pretty boss. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, he gets to take his helmet off and be like, "Well, everything's shut, so I can finally get a fucking day off." <laughs> <laughs> like it's been about two thousand years. Goes out and has a beer. With <laughs> It's just like, well, it's beer o'clock. Yeah. Is there a TGI Fridays on Asgard? <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, nah, this is uh, no service on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next 2,000 years, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where they're setting up the plan as well, where it keeps jumping in between cut scenes of them at the table and yeah. the other sort of bits falling into place was, re- was really good as well. The Stan Lee scene was, it was pretty excellent good. <laughs> where Dr. Selvig's there explaining the stuff and Stan's like, can I have my shoes back? <laughs> It's great. Uh, what do you think about the way Marvel is doing with the whole complexity in terms of all these films that are coming out of Avengers? Because, again, in discussions with Nick Twin, and we, I think we've both identified it here tonight in terms of it's a bit unfocused, especially at the beginning. Like, it, it takes a while to get going, this new Thor film. Yeah. Do you think that's a symptom of just having to hit the ground running in terms of get all its shit sorted intellectually? Yeah. I really like the idea that they're not just putting a scene on the beginning of all of them that just really quickly goes, and the Avengers happen and we're over it and we move on. Yeah. And we're just like, I like that there's fallout and it's organically all becoming one thing, but I think you can see in Thor that it does cause problems in yeah. terms of the Look, movie has to do heaps before it can really get cracking. Yeah. Look, it's a tricky thing. We talked about this with Iron Man 3 as well. Right? You wouldn't want to be the dude who had to make that movie after Avengers and yeah. have it be the, <laughs> the first thing to come out after the Avengers film. And I think this was a little bit the same where it, it probably does suffer a little bit because you are trying to weave all of these things together. I think maybe the trick with it is to not watch it in isolation. Yeah. You have to, and this is the reason that I showed Dan the first Thor and the Avengers was so that it, it became much more of a cohesive picture and it all made a lot more sense. Whereas the first Thor was a great standalone film. I don't know how well you could watch this one by itself and actually have it make any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, there's sort of hinted bits and there's some bits where they do some fairly blatant kind of obvious explaining of, oh, this is what's happening. But yeah, I, th- I think if you, you watch it as part of the greater whole and you view it as a middle act in between the first Avengers and the second Avengers and you you treat the first Thor movie almost like a prologue, it starts to hang together a lot better and you don't mind it being as slow because if you watch them, and that was the other cool thing about watching those three movies over the period of two days was it was all still quite fresh so I felt much more like I was walking out of Avengers and into Thor 2 Mm. rather than it's actually been more than a year since I saw Avengers at the cinema. It's not an issue that I can approach objectively because I'm such a comic book poindexter yeah. that I'm like, yep, mesh them all up, just have a com- just have the movie start just in the middle of the story. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm watching all of them. Yeah. So I've sort of lost the ability to step back and go, because as you say, I'm like, I'm interested if you just sat someone down cold to watch, like even if they watch the first Thor and then the second Thor without, without Avengers. Avengers in the middle would it make sufficient sense? But then you don't really understand why Loki's in prison or... Well, exactly. Yeah. He sort of leaves the first Thor movie just falling into a big hole Mm. and then the second one uh, is in prison. Mm. And they mentioned that New York happened or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know, I just don't give a fuck because it's so (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Like I'm so in the tank about the whole cohesive Marvel film universe thing Yeah. that I just can't, I don't know. I've well, stopped was, asking those questions because I don't give a shit. Just, uh, just give me my Marvel movies. Yep. 
the other thing that, that Dan said about it was <laughs> I'm going to drop her in the shit again. The first <laughs> thing that she said when we started to watch the first Thor and the Marvel credits scene bit comes up, she said, is this a comic book movie? <laughs> <laughs> But then after we'd watched Avengers and Iron Man and Captain America and, and Hulk sort of all were all in that and she said, do these all connect up? And I said, yeah, yeah, they're all part of a larger universe and she was quite impressed with, unless she was just, you know, yeah. patronising me. I love that um, thing you said, Justin. It was the best. It was so good. Uh, but she was quite impressed with the fact that all of this connected and I said, yeah, so you got Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor and the Ed Norton Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. All feeding into Avengers And then feeding out of that You've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Captain America Winter Soldier Thor Dark World Iron Man 3 And then they'll all feed back into Avengers 2 mm-hmm. She said well that's it's hardcore. Yeah, it's not. It was never going to be an easy thing to do. And I think they've, for all of the little bits and pieces that I piss and moan about, have done a pretty phenomenal job of pulling that all together. Yeah, I I love the approach. And I'm, I'm interested to see, because I think the difference in the sort of Ultron sequel, it'll have to be a completely different movie structurally. Like, as far as I can tell, there's not really being any work done to introduce Ultron before the Avengers 2. No. So it'll just be rolling in. You won't have to introduce the Avengers, obviously, but it'll be sort of an Ultron origin tale or something. Yep. Because one of my favourite things about all those Marvel movies feeding into Avengers was the way that they base they sort of like Captain America introduces the Tesseract on Earth. Yep. Where and then the Thor movie introduces where it came from, that it came from the Norse thing. Yep. Uh, and so all the movies work together to give you all the information you need so that by the time you get to Avengers, they can basically just... And then I think uh, Iron Man 2 sort of introduces that it's there or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But by the time you get to Avengers, they're in a position having done the hard work to go, here's this blue thing that runs the film. Don't worry about it. It's mm. fine. You don't need to know anything else. It's a yeah. Mac- MacGuffin... Uh, go for it. They're almost the origin sequence for the Avengers yeah. movie. And I'd yeah. be super happy and like just nerd out if they just went like did the three levels of the Agents of Shield introduces like the street level view of what's going on. Yeah. The next round of movies gives you all the information you need to tell the story and then the Avengers just comes around every couple of years and just pays it all off with just ridiculous action craziness. So we've seen Iron Man 3, we've seen Thor Dark World, next up is Captain America Winter Soldier. Which, yep. Did you get the trailer for that at the start of Thor? Uh, yeah. yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, pretty pretty moist for that. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm curious about is, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually the ideal vehicle to introduce Ultron? Could you do the last couple of episodes of that building up to Ultron? Because Hank Pym's not going to be in the second Avengers movie. He's not associated with the, yeah. the origin of Ultron at all. So it's got to come from somewhere. It seems feasible that you could actually do that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without needing to invest a lot in it. You just need enough that the audience kind of buy into, oh, well, there's this artificial intelligence that's yeah. hell-bent on taking over the world. And by the way, it's Alan Shaw from Boston Legal. Exactly. <laughs> from the new Blacklist. Yes. Have you seen Blacklist? No. Me neither. We should watch that at some point. There's something about that show. Like, I look at it and I keep seeing people say that it's good. But there's just something about the previews where I'm like, I don't believe you. I reckon it'll be shit house. <laughs> but we should watch it. We should. We should watch the pilot and decide. Yeah. 
We could do an episode where we tear the pilot a new asshole and exactly move on with our lives. Put that show on the roster blacklist. <laughs> <laughs> we got one hour into audio recording before you gave me shit about the roster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that. Zing a zing. The other thing, one other thing that I did really like about it, yep. which I thought was a very clever move, is that most of the Earth stuff is set in London, which gave you a really good separation where you didn't have to go, well, how come Iron Man doesn't just show up and help yeah. sort this shit out? And where's the Hulk? And that's it was having it sort of there kind of made it all right that it seemed isolated from most of the rest of the universe. It's a really elegant way of just communicating to the audience, as you say. Iron Man can't fly in, yeah. which is good. The other part that I enjoyed was the, the credit sequence. And I, I, I think doing good credits for a movie is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And the ending credits, how they were all sort of those stylized, almost yeah. watercolor style paintings, I thought it was gorgeous. I'd love to get some of that as artwork and hang it up around my house. Well, I really dig that. I like <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as in Spider-Man 2, where they sort of retold Spider-Man's origin Cliff Note style with sort of comic panel-y style artwork. Yeah. I like that sort of gesturing at where the source material comes from, which is pretty great. Yeah. We've got Avengers. We've got the second round of movies. Yep. Pretty much out of the way. Phase two. Yep. We're going to have X-Men, Days of Future Past. Oh, my God. We've got... Sp- you tweeted the trailer for that the other day, and I watched it six times while I ate breakfast. It's pretty good, man. It's awesome. And Bishop comes out, and he's got the dreadlocks and stuff, oh. and he just looks boss. Exactly. I don't want to say that because I sound like you. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, Stefan, who collected comics in the 90s, you're going to want to watch this film. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was phenomenally good-looking film. I'm really, really excited about it. I really... You know how you rarely get that thing where people go, we're going to do this art thing, yep. right? We're either going to do a TV show, a movie, a book, blah, blah, blah. And you generally, like, in the interim between hearing that the project exists and seeing the first manifestation of what it is... Mm. You generally build up a picture in your mind, which is because it's free of reality, and you've like it's much better than whatever happens. Like, <laughs> it's like the, I don't think we can go an episode in this podcast without bringing up the Star Wars prequels, and then they're shit. Out. <laughs> but part of the problem is that by the time those prequels came out, I decided what I wanted, and it yes. was four thousand Jedi, four thousand Sith fighting each other endlessly, ninety minutes. <laughs> That's a huge opening weekend. And what did you get? Galactic Senate. Exactly. And it was incredible. Like I learned about um, blockades. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I know. Votes of no confidence. Exactly. It was more informative than my year six trip to Canberra. It was pretty good. <laughs> Can you imagine if Palpatine got elected instead of Tony Abbott? Uh, yeah, no change. <laughs> <laughs> At least Palpatine had a few aliens hanging around with him. Well, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, I want to veer off into the politics thing again. I do have to say, though, like, the Empire is always characterised by its sort of xenophobia in terms of it doesn't let aliens within its borders. Yep. And then you just get the Liberal Party in, and you're like, oh. Abbott's going to build a Death Star and exactly. going, we'll blow your planet up. Yep. You stay over there on Yavin 4. Um, you'll, never get, you'll never get to Alderaan. You'll never get here. I don't care what you want. You can pay all the smugglers that you like. <laughs> pay them all the credits. It's not... Oh, man. Biting political commentary. Yeah. What was I talking about? Um, oh. So, Days of Future Past yes. is the rare film, and especially the rare comic book film, because you'll get like, I don't know, the Spider-Man movie. You'll be like, oh, it'd be so cool if this happened, and it doesn't. It's just William Defoe in a suit or whatever. Um <laughs> 
And this is one where they're like, we're going to do Days of Future Past. I'm like, oh man, it'd be cool if they did it like, you know, if they forged the two franchises together. Like it's one yeah. of the, it just really feels like one of those thought processes you always have where like, wouldn't it be cool if they could get all the cast of all the movies into like a super mega future dystopia mashup? And then you go, but that's crazy. No one would ever pull that off. Exactly. And then we get that trailer. And then they put a trailer, which is just Singer going, no, I did it though. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Xavier, <laughs> talk to Xavier. And you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm take my money. I almost had to have a day off work. <laughs> <laughs> I felt faint afterwards. Yeah, I've sprained my finger hitting that little sort of round arrow on YouTube. <laughs> so given... The, <laughs> I was getting somewhere. Yeah. Given the movies that exist... Yes. Uh, if we're on like a continually expanding theatrical Marvel universe... Yep. What would you like the most... What would be your most favourite? What's something we haven't seen on screen in the cinematic Marvel universe that you'd be like, that'd be good? I still want Venom to get his own movie. Yeah. I, that's, that's it. You make that, I'll just die afterwards. And I'll then be you have to take a couple of days off. Because <laughs> refreshing that three times. I was so let down. I was such a fan. As a kid, I was such a fan of Venom and Carnage. Yep. And I've said before, I like Venom because he's the villain, but he's also sort of an anti-hero type of vigilante. You know, he's Venom is a bit like Chopper Reed. You read, <laughs> <laughs> I'm settling in. He's got, <laughs> <laughs> he's got ears, but yeah, uh, depends on the Chopper, artist. Chopper's dead, so I don't want to. I want to give Chopper too much of a hard time. Yeah. But you read Chopper's book. And Chopper basically says, you know, I'm not a bad guy. I never killed anybody who wasn't just yeah. an evil drug dealer or... Chopper the lethal protector. But, but yeah, basically. <laughs> he says, you know, I, I didn't kill anybody who wasn't doing anything illegal. And yeah. Venom's kind of the same. He's like, well, I'm messing up the bad guys. And also I hate Spider-Man. But, yeah. uh, you know, so Spider-Man's like Neville Bartos. Um, I apologise. <laughs> oh, I could have apologised to anybody internationally who's listening to this. Yeah. Who has no idea who Chopper Reed and Neville Bartos are. Just uh, Google is your friend. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just Google Aussie Crims. <laughs> so I dig the I, I I've always dug the idea of Venom. And yep. I think Carnage is a great sequel to mm-hmm. the whole Venom story. And then we got the third Spider-Man movie. And as I've mentioned previously, just so let down by such a fantastic I've said fantastic again. Yeah. That sounds super. Just so let down. <laughs> <laughs> Take three. Just so let down by what is such an awesome character with so much potential and they just squandered it. Yeah. And now we're going to get Spider-Man 2, which has got Rhino in it. Uh, (laughs) Who I assume is your second fave. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Although the Rhino in the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoons I've been watching is kind of cool. Yeah. So we need to talk about where we're running way over time here. This is going to be a bumper episode as it is. So... You're welcome, universe. (laughs) (laughs) Send your fan mail to mindlesswindbags at level30.net. No, don't. Don't. I haven't got an email address set up for that. Yeah, we wouldn't want to lose that fat correspondence. (laughs) (laughs) What was I going on about? Venom. They've got to introduce something with Venom. And you can't do it now because we've reset Spider-Man. And it's going to... We already know that Electro and Rhino are the villains in the second Spider-Man movie. So, it's going to... Again, you're going to end up in three before you can possibly introduce the concepts that that feed into Venom. My other alternative for it, though, is that what if you just did a Venom movie and it wasn't an origin story? What if the pre-credits scene was just some sort of Andrew Garfield cameo appearance and he goes off to the space and the suit and the (laughs) fucking... You're selling it to me. I'm going to have to... (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to have to re-edit the bejesus out of that. What if instead oh, of doing a proper origin story, <laughs> stop talking over my recuts. <laughs> Remember when the second Hulk movie came out? Yeah. And they did sort of the flashes back to the Eric Banner one where they sort of showed the origin of the Hulk but not really and they broke free enough that they could do their own thing. Yeah. What if you kind of did something like that with Spider-Man footage and then you set Venom up and Venom just had his own movie? Yeah. That'd be awesome. And fuck the rest of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I don't care about anyone. I just want to see a giant black Spider-Man looking dude with a great big long tongue with green saliva coming off it. Yeah. Just going out and hating on criminals. So Venom done well. Yeah. I'd That's my thing. Because in terms of where everything else is kind of sitting at the moment, I think the risk that they run is that it does what the comics do and the universe becomes too huge. If you start to cross the X-Men into the Avengers thing or Spider-Man into the Avengers thing or, or whatever, you end up with this humongous yeah. universe that's very, very unwieldy to, to sort of steer and maintain, I think. But given that we know that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to be in the second Avengers film, mm-hmm. you can't help but feel that maybe, you know, if they stay true to the, the comics, that that may cross over and we may see Quicksilver in the in the X-Men at, at some point. And well, I'm interested in it because my assumption was with the S.H.I.E.L.D. show where subsequent episodes from the first one, they've they've had people that have different abilities but they seem, they're like... Yeah, I haven't watched any of those yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. They just, they seem, uh, reading between the lines, it's really clear that there's just no mutants. Yep. Um, like there's bits where they talk about, could this person have telekinesis? No, that's ridiculous. Um, uh-huh. And so, in the Marvel Universe, if there was mutants, it would have come up, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yep. Which always suggested to me that because someone else has the rights to the X-Men, that they presumably have the rights Can't to do anything mutants. With yeah. So, I'm interested to see what happens with Avengers if Quicksilver rocks up and he's just like, I just miscellaneously quickness. Because pre- <laughs> like, presumably you could have Scarlet Witch in there and she's just a witch. Like, her mutant abilities have always been a bit problematic because it's like... Because well, you've got magic the whole or spiritual magic occult type of stuff, yeah. In in the Avengers universe, anyway, yeah. So you could Quicksilver's. You could do yeah. something. It's hard to. You could find a way to do it. Maybe they'd like. We'll put them in this one. Hopefully, get the rights to the next before the next one, and then we can tell people who they bloody are. Whereas in this one, I'll just be like Quick Blur and Scarlet Blitch. You know, they'll figure <laughs> it out later. Don't worry about it. It's just a witch and a fast person yeah i know in x-men 3 because yep. about i know what you mean about squandering potential because in x-men 3 there's like a danger room scene right at the beginning where there's like yes. a sentinel for one second and yeah. i remember walking out of that being like super bald fist nerd rage person being like well you ruin the sentinels now you've had the sentinels on screen so you'll never be able to use yeah. the sentinels ever again and then bam brian singer once again pops yeah. up toasty it was the same. Like the the main thing that X Men Three achieved was just going Phoenix's ship. You've wrecked it. <laughs> um, and look, the Phoenix is just it doesn't make any sense. Even in the comics, it's just miscellaneous fire brain or whatever. Um, <laughs> but so I've sort of chilled out now. Where I'm like, look, if something's popular and it's going to make a quid, yeah, they'll find they'll just do it they'll again. They'll do it over and yeah. over again. We're going to see Batman's parents get shot every three years until I'm dead. You know, mm. so even though, so they they fucked up Venom, and <laughs> like he was they not did. what he should have been. No, but I don't think it. I think it's a matter of time before someone has a crack at Venom because he's one of those sort of characters oh, no that's doubt. just good. You know what they're rebooting? I can't think of a gag. <laughs> <laughs> Is it that 
uh, mid nineties three D animated cartoon show reboot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's got Michael Bay's name written. Yeah, exactly. All over it. An air conditioner gains sentient. No, um, <laughs> explosions. With they're right rebooting angles. Terminator. Really? And you know who's directing it? Um, I'll give you a clue. It's not Michael Bay. Really? Yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg. No, it's Kevin the, Smith. No, stop. Kevin Spacey. Stop. Sissy SpaceX. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the dude who directed Thor: Dark World. Oh, really? Alan Taylor. Interesting. No relation. Is that your dad? No. Oh, no relation. No relation. Oh, interesting. Not that I'm not saying he's an orphan. I'm just saying he's not related to me. <laughs> that he might be an orphan who has no relation. <laughs> If he listens to this, I'm really sorry, Alan, if you are an orphan. Sorry, Alan. Please keep making amazing movies. Awkward. Yeah. So they're just starting again with Terminator. Yeah, but Schwarzenegger's still going to be in it. Cool, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how that works, but whatevs. Time travel and shit. So to, I reckon shot for shot, but every character is just 20 years older than they were in the original. <laughs> <laughs> That would be pretty cool. Be pretty fun, sort of esoteric art project. Yeah, are they all still alive? Everyone's just—I think so. I don't know. My research suggests they have. (laughs) (laughs) Nice situational awareness. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) I don't know, man. I mean, the thing about Terminator is you could do—you could do that Star Trek thing where you use time travel to reboot it, but still get to pretend that it's in the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's what they did with Sarah Connor Chronicles. It's set in a slightly skew-if yeah. timeline. You go, well, how the hell we can do that? And it's like, dude, the whole series is about time travel and altering the past. That's how we did it. Shut up. Can you help me with something that I've always uh, had a bug up my ass about with, <laughs> with Terminator? <laughs> yeah, go. Um, if this is a time travel nag, then no, I can't because you're way more time travel anal than me. No, no. That's gone on shit. <laughs> Time travel anal. Um, <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Oh, this has gone downhill fast. That's I'm, terrible. I'm cutting that bit. So, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Correct. The entire... You've got the title right. And look, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a oh, while. I will. I've seen Terminator 1, 2 and 3 yep. and I never saw the last one. Where, you didn't see Salvation? No, where John oh, Connor gets hollowed out or whatever the fuck happens at the end. Um... So Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the yep. like overriding message of that is, is that there's no fate but what we make. Yep. So the whole movie is about, don't worry, if we try super hard, we can survive. That's right. Destiny is not set. Put we can change things. Put a bullet in Miles Dyson and it will all be okay. Exactly. Yep. Um, Fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home and name my vacuum cleaner Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and they <laughs> I think that's going to be the Easter egg. <laughs> so I, um, it's a good backdoor break though. Dyson's a good brand. I <laughs> know, oh I've got one. Um, oh, nice, oh. double backdoor break. <laughs> I'm person like, fuck, it doesn't become self-aware though. <laughs> Classy dudes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry to anyone listening to this who has to change vacuum bags. Michael Pobo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes. Terminator 2. No fate. No fate what, what we make. Yep. It's about 
uh, your ability to sort of eschew destiny and create your own future. Correct. And then the third one, doesn't the ending hinge on the fact that they do everything right and then they go into a bunker and they come out and the general message of that one is, well, there's nothing to be done because it's all set. Yeah. So what the fuck? Well, <laughs> like Terminator Two is amazing, and I remember, like, I remember that. There's no fate but what we make. That's a phrase that's in my head for the rest of my person. I've, I've got two things I've got to say. And then this third one, it's just like, nah, that was all bullshit. Two things I've got to say to this. The first one is complete sidetrack, which is unlike us, I know, but yeah. <laughs> I want to do this. Bagels. When I worked for the university and I was supervising exams, uh, and you had to collect up everybody's note paper. Yeah. Because they weren't allowed to take it with them in case they gave it to their friends and, you know, wrote down all the answers, which didn't matter because most of them failed anyway. But <laughs> I collected up this dude's piece of notepaper and he had written the only thing he had written on his notepaper in the same way that it's carved into the wood in Terminator 2 was no fate but what we make. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, you failed, didn't you? And he did. Um, <laughs> He's a famous brain doctor now. The second thing is, I think in Terminator 3, I think the message was more about, well, you can delay it, but there are certain things that are going to be inevitable. And, and that's really what they did at the end of Terminator 2. Judgment Day came and went, but at the end of the day, if something massive like that's destined to happen, well, then, yeah, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I hear it's you, man. It's depressing. I hear you. It's depressing. But it really undercuts the sort of dramatic thrust of that. Well, Second one, it does, but, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger in star-shaped Gary Glitter sunglasses at the beginning of Terminator <laughs> 3 undercuts the thrust of the second one as well, if you ask me. Yeah, I suppose uh, um, it's not incumbent on me to try and, like, synthesise it all into a cohesive narrative, given that I saw the third one, and by the time I'd gotten to my car, I'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> it's like the T-1000 that really reshaped, you know, effects and what was capable and just lit the imagination of generations on fire, and now it it's just like... just Robert a Patrick with a piece of elf oil yeah. over his face. <laughs> and then in the third one, isn't it like, it's like that, but it's a woman... Yes. Which tells you a lot she about Hollywood. Boobs grow. <laughs> like, what's something different? Oh, we'll put a woman in it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be something fresh and exciting. Yes. Stupid Terminator. Well, hopefully the reboot's good. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know about this Alan Taylor character. He sounds a bit dodgy to me. Well, that's right. <laughs> Doesn't even have any parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I think. We're probably at a point where we've now been recording for this is the longest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, we'll call it Audio Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Given that we've rambled about so much other shit, is it worth us even treating this as a Thor review? Should we give Thor stars? <laughs> <laughs> I give this Thor stars. <laughs> my mum's favourite gag, and I, look, I promised my mum that we would name this episode, and you'll notice in the notes that I've started to put together, my mum's favourite gag is always, are you Thor? Yes, but I'm not Thorry. <laughs> or, are you Thor? Yes, but I'm very satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> she rang me on Sunday night. She said, what have you been doing? I said, oh, I've been at the cinema. She said, what did you see? <laughs> I said, I saw Thor too, and then we got a little bit into the conversation. She said, oh, <laughs> though you Thor, but satisfied. <laughs> I said, I'm going to name the podcast episode that, so yeah. your Thor stars gag. Look, I'm going to try and hold it together. Yeah. I give this <laughs> Thor stars. <laughs> I can't do it. Do another cut. I don't know. What would you give it? I don't know. Thorsten Hines got fired as the CEO of Blackberry <laughs> this week. <laughs> Same time that the movie came out. Coincidence? I don't think so. 
ever occur to anybody that a Norse god was actually running Canada's largest technology company? Well, it makes sense. I mean, running into the ground doesn't know about phones. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want it to look like this. Like, Sir, that's a hammer. <laughs> Is that what it works for me? Yeah. You keep smashing the prototype. <laughs> Doesn't want a phone. Just wants to look up in the sky and get him to fucking beam him up on the bloody. Well, that's the thing. Bifrost. Whatever they've got, he's just because he just looks up yeah, wherever he, he is. Now, Heimdall. I was waiting for him to say, "Beam me up, Heimdall." <laughs> so, how many stars are you giving it? Four. <laughs> I'm going to give it. Uh, I would give it three and a half to Thor stars. <laughs> In yeah. all seriousness. Oh, look, that's fair. I, I think three and a half to four. It was it was good. I, I'm giving it that extra half because just because his mum kicks ass. Yep. Go, Renee Russo. She's pretty boss. Yeah. We don't care how Finished. fast your ship does the Kessel Run. <laughs> exactly.